Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown. Welcome to the Screaming Box Technology and Business Rundown podcast. I'm your host, Dave Erickson, and with me is my co-host, Botan Sedesh, and today we have Eli Santosh from Metavertising as our guest. In this podcast, we're looking to Eli to help us understand just what is the metaverse, how it works, what are the technologies and business opportunities that it offers. Eli has an extensive IT background and a very impressive marketing background, and he has worked for some big companies such as Johnson & Johnson and the Mars Group. He currently heads Metavertising, helping brands create experiences and navigate the Web3 and the Metaverse. Today, he's going to help us wrap our arms around the Metaverse and to go into all the tech and business that is currently swirling around it. All right, Eli, hopefully I got that uh, correct there. That is correct, Dave, and it's a pleasure to be here. The, the question that is on most people's mind, if they don't already have the answer, and even if they have the answer, they may have an answer that may not actually be an answer that it has evolved into. But let's kind of have the conversation. What exactly is the metaverse? Right. So that's actually a good question because I, I agree with you that has been uh, that there has been a lot of, let's say, confusion. A lot of, you know, people that think they understand what the metaverse means and people who don't have any idea what the metaverse means. So I think it's important to um, break it down into two different things, right? So first of all, we have Web3, which is also like a term that is that has been very widely used lately. And we have also the metaverse, right? So Web3, um, I like to define Web3 as uh, the, the tech stack or maybe all of the tools that we're going to be using in this new stage of the internet, right? So right now we're living in Web2, which is all the tools that we already use to interact with the rest of the world, right? Um, when it comes to Web3, we're going to be using new technologies um, in order to perform the same or maybe new tasks. And that could be NFTs, that could be blockchain, that could be smart contracts. And it also includes the metaverse, right? So that is uh, virtual reality, augmented reality and whatnot. So we're talking about, when we talk about Web3, we're talking about the new stage of the internet and all of its, uh, all of the tech stack, right? Um, and when it comes to the word metaverse, what the word means is um, an enhanced universe, right? So an extension of the universe. So what, that's what the word means. And, um, <clears throat> and when we say metaverse, uh, typically we're talking about either, uh, you know, a, a virtual reality space or an augmented reality space. But if you take a look at the, the, the definition of the word, um, and if you combine it with, you know, virtual reality and, and augmented reality, we're talking about really an extension of our existing universe, right? So when, when we say metaverse, uh, a metaverse space, for example, it can be a space on virtual reality. It can be something happening in augmented reality or perhaps a combination of all of those things uh, with a physical world, which some people are calling it uh, extended reality. So that's what the metaverse means. I, I do kind of have a, a an observation or a question. So Web 2 and Web 3. So this is kind of where the evolution part is, is gets, I think, people a little confused because VR and AR actually was kind of started in the Web 2 realm and was utilized in Web 2 and currently is still utilized in Web 2. But now it's kind of moved into the definition of Web 3. And so I guess the, the question in some people's mind is, well, is it 2 or is it 3? And, and who decides what's 2 and what's 3? And, you know... <laughs> That's that's a that's also a good question. I think we can break it down into um, several different technologies, or maybe the combination of all of these technologies, right? When it comes to Web three, because Web two currently, like, um, think about the way that we interact with technology nowadays. So we have social media, we have uh, I don't know, like LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, all of the social media that we use. Um, and the way that we interact with the websites, we way, the, basically the way we interact with information right now, right? So that would be smartphones um, and the way we consume news, the, 
the way we read emails and whatnot. And so when it comes to Web3, we have, um, even though, you know, VR and AR, they have been, let's say they have, they have been invented way before Web2, actually. Um, and some people say it's a Web2 thing. Um, even though it is, like, I, I'm not, I don't disagree with that. Um, it's going to be uh, more um, widely used in Web3. And the technologies that are going to be present in Web3 are going to be um, compatible with VR and AR. And, and there's going to be a much bigger interaction with uh, all of those things and, you know, between also VR and AR and whatnot. And also, um, as I was saying, like Web3 is not just, you know, the metaverse is not just, you know, virtual reality or augmented reality. It is a mix of all of those things and more. So that could be, uh, you know, computing power, for example. That's something that is really going to change when it comes to Web3 so that we're capable of have devices that can process this new new realm, let's say, because it's going to require more processing power. So that could be cloud, edge computing and whatnot, um, and also networks, right, connectivity. So we're talking about 5G, 6G, and maybe something even more advanced uh, on that. Um, AI machine learning is going to be more present than ever in our in our routines, even though like we already have most of the apps, most of the applications that we use already have AI and machine learning, but it's going to be even more present than ever and also more advanced than what we know nowadays, right? So it's going to be absolutely required, especially when we're talking about metaverse spaces like virtual reality spaces we're gonna probably have a lot of you know ai sales bots ai you know npcs which is basically like these characters that live in the metaverse that we can interact with and have a conversation as if they were real humans but they're actually ais you know but it's going to be so advanced that the, the 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 perception might be a little seamless you know you're not going to realize that you're going to talk to you're going to be talking to a bot right also, uh, volumetric scanning and 3D modeling, those are also uh, things that are going to be very, very present in our daily lives as we enter Web3. Also, blockchain, you know, it's undeniable the growth of, the of blockchain and how important it is becoming uh, for our lives in the future, especially for fintech. And so blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, smart contract, you know, all of those uh, relatively new technologies are also going to be present in this, this context internet of things so, so it's all of these new technologies are going to be very present and combined and also uh configured to combine together as well so they're going to be um this whole mix or, or intersection of all of these new technologies working together to deliver a seamless experience which we call the metaverse right which we call an extended reality um and and it's just you know living in this physical realm where you have all of these virtual things going on um, in in several different layers of reality um, and and the technology is so good that it's almost a seamless experience right what I'm seeing on on I guess you could say consumer information channels is that the metaverse is usually presented as some, AR thing that you access through AR that you put on the goggles and that's that's your key to entering the metaverse but it seems to me that that and even though that's how it's being portrayed um it seems that it that isn't necessarily the case is that correct people can experience the metaverse without having to do the AR goggles and all that uh, and maybe it's a disservice that it's being presented that way is that the case Yes, that is correct. Um, we have nowadays, for example, um, Decentraland or maybe Spatial, which are two of, uh, let's say, the, 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 the biggest metaverses right now, which have, and when I say the, the biggest, I mean in terms of daily amount of users, right? So daily traffic and uh, Decentraland and Spatial were like two of the top ones. Um, and these two metaverses you can access from your browser. So you don't need a VR, you know, VR goggles or you don't need like any type of uh, uh, extended reality devices in order to access it, right? So you can just access it from a, for your browser. And, um, and the experience is pretty, you know, it's pretty cool actually. Like I, I think we're very far out from a reality where everyone is gonna be using, just like nowadays, right, we have the smartphone, and like, if you take a look at it, like 10 or maybe 20 years ago, 
uh, especially 20 years ago. If you take a look at like 20 years ago, like, and if you told someone 20 years ago that in the future everyone is going to have a small device that they're going to carry with them and it's going to be able to access all of the information known by mankind and like anyone can communicate with with like pretty much anyone in the planet and you can do like uh, complex calculations. You can like there's so all sorts of things that you can. You can use for entertainment purposes. You can, you know, communicate with your family and whatnot. People would have told you that you were crazy, right? Um, but I think that's the scenario right now in comparison to VR and AR, except that we're not that far out from having, you know, VR and AR devices in our daily lives. You know, we're using, let's say, for example, you, you and I are wearing glasses. Like, these glasses can be enhanced in a way that we can see a different reality, a virtual reality, right? And so um, I don't think we're that far out of having that, um, but it's going to be, you know, eventually it's going to happen. But right now, I think, you know, most of the platforms are making an effort to bring people from Web 2 into Web 3. So I think that's why we see a lot of platforms are, are compatible with browsers, just regular browsers, or maybe just using your cell phone. Do you think that they're going to have to come up with a, a, either an updated browser or a new type of browser to allow people to experience Web3 more fully? Um, Is that I something think, that's needed or not I think needed? so, yes, because especially if you think about um, the whole concept of like uh, decentralization and, and also blockchain and cryptocurrency, like one of the interesting concepts of this 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 Web3 future that we're uh, getting ourselves into that I think is extremely interesting is the fact that um, many spaces that you're going to be in in the future are going to require you to have a, a wallet, right? So a decentralized wallet. So that can be um, MetaMask, that can be, I don't know, like Phantom, that can be, I don't know, there, there's all sorts of uh, digital wallets out there that basically these wallets are used to prove that, first of all, you're a person and, 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 and you're that person, like you're that specific person, you're not someone else, you know? Um, and also like having all of your assets in the same place, right? And you can carry those assets throughout, you know, uh, different spaces. And so I think when you think about that, then obviously like the browsers of the future, let's say they're going to need to have some sort of capability, some sort of feature to support those new, um, those new technologies, right? And as I said, like uh, decentralized wallets, blockchain and whatnot, cryptocurrency. So you're going to have, you're going to need to have a browser that is going to support all of those new features, right? You're going to have like smart contract transactions in the future. Um, and if you don't have a browser that is capable of processing a smart contract, right, of, of working with a smart contract, um, then you're not going to be able to do transactions in the future. And I'm not not talking just about financial transactions. I'm talking about me and you exchanging some type of asset, you know, like an NFT or maybe, I don't know, like whatever else that we're going to be exchanging in the future. You're going to need a browser that is capable to do that, right? Um, you're going to need um, to be able to work with all of those new things, right? So I think, um, I'm not sure if, for example, like Google Chrome is going to have like, I don't know, plugins or maybe, you know, uh, new features that are going to allow us to process all of those things. Or if you're going to, we're going to end up seeing like a competitor that takes over the market, right? Especially because when it comes to Web3, when it comes to Metaverse and whatnot, there's this whole talk about decentralization, right? So we're talking about, you know, me being the owner of my information, like, uh, and, and, and having access to privacy matters and being able to control all of those things. And we know for a fact that companies like Google and Facebook and, and, and you know, other companies that are very popular nowadays, they have a history of not necessarily, I'm not sure if respecting is the right word, but like we have seen some infractions in that sense throughout the years. And so um, Web3 is all about decentralization of being the owner of your assets and, and all of those things. And so um, I'm not sure if, you know, uh, Chrome is going to be the browser also because of these other concerns, you know, but uh, we're going to have to wait and see, but definitely some changes are going to be uh, needed for sure. One of the things I've been noticing is that, uh, as Eli has said, 
being a blockchain developer is becoming a prerequisite to getting these sort of jobs in the web 3.0 space. That's one of the things. But another thing is uh, something that almost everyone in uh, my bubble has neglected is uh, it's kind of 3D modeling. Because if I get go into a physical store, it's uh, kind of simple. I go to, let's say, row 20, that's where I can buy, buy soaps. But in a digital environment, that's quite different because uh, you're not going to be walking through these digital stores or buying NFTs or buying actual products or buying, I don't know, ringtones or whatever. Uh, the entire uh, design, the entire layout has to be uh, has to be adaptive to the way the different users are willing to move throughout this space. So locomotion is a big thing in uh, VR, XR and AR. So in all of these spaces, that's uh, something that we haven't really solved yet. There are insanely expensive options that uh, I guess uh, probably NASA or the Navy has access to, which is only only directional treadmills, as we can see in Ready Player One. We have the cheap and in the biggest quotes ever, cheap, couple thousand dollars, and the consumer space that uh, CatVR produces. That's more of a slide mill. And then we have the the more uh, I don't want to say normal. I want to say uh, more available locomotion method is just teleporting all around the space. And uh, you might uh, instinctively realize that teleporting through a space is very different from walking from uh, row to row in a supermarket. So the way we signpost locations has to be completely different than what it is now. But beyond that, interoperability of these spaces is, is a huge question mark right now. So what we have seen and what I'm really happy about is that uh, Meta is uh, founding, I believe, some uh, committee, sort of like we have VESA for mounting TVs and monitors to the walls. It's kind of an interoperability standard just for uh, the metaverse. I'm really happy about that. However, I have no idea what they are doing at the moment or what direction they plan to go in. And yeah, sorry, Dave, what was the question? <laughs> I think you brought up a very interesting concept in the metaverse in the experience of what you're doing in I think the way people are going to shop or buy or get things is one of the promises I think the metaverse is saying is in experiencing the metaverse, you'll be able to buy or get things in a different way. And one of the examples I've seen the most used is you're in a game, you're playing a game. Uh, one of the characters in the game has a T-shirt and you like that T-shirt. In the middle of the game, you can somehow reach out and grab that T-shirt and it's the same as buying it. You basically bought it and during your playing of the game, it'll put it in your shopping cart. And when you get a break, you can basically buy whatever it is that you found. That, that's one of the promises of, of the metaverse I've seen as an example. That kind of relates a little bit to what you're saying is how are people going to find things or buy things? And I don't know, Eli, maybe you can kind of give us a sense of this. Is, is that the kind of the thought that the metaverse is going to, your experiences of the metaverse will allow you to do your shopping in an untraditional way? I think I think there are several things <clears throat> that are important to talk about in that towards that specific question to answer that specific question. Uh, first of all, what what Botan said that uh, about you know the interoperability that's one of the biggest issues of the metaverse right now. And there is, as Botan said, the Metaverse Standards Forum, which is a place where people gather in order to discuss you know how is the interoperability going to happen. Yeah, uh, I'm actually a member of you. the Metaverse Standards Forum, and so uh, they gather every Wednesday um, to discuss really like what how are we going to address this challenge, right? Because it is really a challenge because think about it like for example the example they just gave of the the, the the character and the t-shirt like um i'm not sure if you guys are into games but uh there's this very popular game fortnite right which is one of the the most like uh 
popular games right now and like uh you know many of the users are like gen z and you know there's also millennials so there's all sorts of people in there um but there's one thing in there which is a which is a very big challenge like fortnite is uh an like one of the, the the platforms or maybe one of the companies right that was able to um to do something that was uh, like it was never seen before, which was actually like you get to see a fight between, I don't know, like Superman and the Iron Man in the same game. And they don't own the rights. They, they don't know the, the rights for neither of them. Right. So they don't know, don't own the, the rights for, for, for like Batman and DC and like and they don't own the rights for Marvel. And they like but you can get to see like, you know, many characters in there like Naruto and like. I don't know, like there's all sorts of uh, characters in there and you can buy the skins, like you can buy, you know, you can look like these characters, your favorite characters and you can fight like, you know, as I said, you can fight, get, you know, Superman to fight, I don't know, Naruto or like an anime character, you know, that, that doesn't have anything to do one or the other. And so you, you get, <laughs> yeah. you can get to, to, to fight, you know, do, these two characters that have never seen each other from completely different universes. But the thing is, like, okay, so I bought this avatar, I bought this skin, what do I do with it outside of Fortnite? So that's one of the biggest questions. It, it, it completely relates to what you're talking about of the t-shirt. Like, oh, okay, so I bought this t-shirt. All right, it looks really good on my character, but, like, I bought it. It's mine. Like, can I take out of the game? Like, can I, can I take it anywhere else? And so how to address this challenge right because uh in one environment let's say if i'm comparing i don't know like fortnite with roblox and uh roblox has a completely different aesthetic right it's like these kind of you know very uh pixelated characters and like they're very square you know and 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 they, they have their own aesthetic right and so if i buy something on fortnite how do i take it into roblox right so that's a big question that remains unanswered. Um, and that's one of the purposes of the Metaverse Standards Forum. And so um, interoperability, interoperability, right? And there is also one other thing that I think it's important to um, to talk about uh, to address that specific question, which is like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm in my place and I want to go shopping, but I don't want to leave my house. Like I, I want to go shopping in the Metaverse, right? So, okay, so you go to a clothing store in the metaverse the brand that you like um and then you pick like um you pick a t-shirt that you think looks really good and you want to see if it looks good on you and also i want to see like oh, okay but um up close you know i want to take a look at the details i want to take a look at the suing i want to take a look at the um uh, I, i'm not sure if you're going to be able to in the future but the yeah i want to be i, I want to be able to take a look at the fabric you know i want to feel the fabric so um those are also other challenges that need to be addressed right because um for you to be able to make a fabric look as real as real life you know you're gonna need an immense amount of uh, like processing power computing power and um, and so there there's this other part of the challenge which is like making a fabric in the metaverse look realistic and also um, in the sense of like not only the details and visually realistic, but also maybe in the future, like making it feel realistic, right? So um, there's all of these challenges. I believe that in the future, we're going to be able to do shopping in the metaverse for sure. But it's just so many challenges that we have to overcome until then. But anyway, that's the goal, right? For you to be able to, you're in your place, you want to buy a t-shirt, you you not only you get to see how like the details of that t-shirt but also like you can see it up close and also try it on and see how it looks on your like not only on your body but also on your virtual avatar right so you can use for example augmented reality to see that you know that t-shirt like kind of you know ex overpose i think it's the right word like kind of no i think it's just a pose i think the right word but you kind of get to see how mm -hmm. that t-shirt will look like in your real body using some kind of ar capability 
And then you also get to see how it would look in your avatar throughout several different metaverses, right? So it looks like this in this universe, but in this other universe, it might look slightly different. Or maybe in this avatar that I have, which is like a realistic version of me that I use to go to uh, virtual meetings, it looks like this. But if I use in my dinosaur avatar that I look to play with my kids in Fortnite, it, it looks like this, you know? And so... Um, it's 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 all of these challenges that we need to overcome, but but I'm pretty confident that we're gonna get there for sure. Yeah, well, you know, developers, if you give them a challenge, they'll figure it out at some point. Somebody's gonna work on it because they want it. I, I mean, it sounds to me a central area of the metaverse is surrounding this concept of avatar. Right. And it sounds like avatar can be quite complex. So you might a person may own several avatars. There may be a real life avatar, which is an exact replica of how you physically look in real life. That would be needed for, say, shopping for clothing. Right. If you wanted to try on a shirt, uh, you don't want to use your avatar from Fortnite which, you know, could be a different uh, sex or a different body size or anything like that, right? And then you'll want to have avatars, like you said, a dinosaur avatar that you use for playing a game with your kids or so. So avatar management may be a concept of the metaverse that isn't something that has been so important for Web 2. But like you said, how do these avatars travel, right? Uh, how do you get an avatar to travel for one thing? And if you buy a virtual object, right? Uh, and there's obviously an opportunity. You buy a T-shirt in a virtual wor world, and you can have one shipped to you in the real world. But it would have to fit, you know, the real world avatar versus fitting another one. So I, I think that complexity. Although when you are learning something and, and, and the advantage goes to somebody like Gen Z and maybe some millennials, they'll learn how to manage avatars easier than somebody who comes into, you know, after it's been developed and you have five or six avatars and which one do you use where and all that. I think there's going to be a social component to that, right? And that may be a big challenge Definitely. as well to avatars and using avatars but it sounds like there's a really big opportunity as well with for it. sure that's 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 for sure um and i think uh y you mentioned uh the social component i think that's extremely important because you guys like uh for those of you who are listening like we have to keep in mind that we're also not only we're entering this web3 realm like this new realm of technology but at the same time there's this whole discussion about genders and this whole discussion about like who do you identify as you know in real life so there's this whole thing happening this uh i, I guess i can call it like social slash politic thing going on and um i think you know uh that the metaverse wants to adapt to that reality right so uh you can I don't know, like you can dress up or maybe you can look like as someone that makes you feel more comfortable than what you are in real life. So I think there's this whole thing. And I don't want to get into any sort of political discussion here. I'm just saying that there's there's this whole movement happening. And then the metaverse wants to adapt to that and maybe even take, take a little of advantage of that in the sense of like um, now you get to be whoever you always wanted to be. And like, you know... Uh, uh, making yourself look like as someone that you know makes you feel comfortable makes you feel like it's more like yourself you know like um and and so i think there's this whole thing as well going on and it's definitely a huge opportunity not only for um you know developers that want to work with uh let's say the wallet for example where you have all of your avatars and all of your nfts which are clothing but also like uh for 3d designers as boton said for fashion designers and um, especially regarding fashion, there's something really interesting that I think it's worth observing that um, now we're going to have this new niche, let's say, which is like fashion in the metaverse, right? Which is 3D clothing um, that you only get to dress your avatar with and maybe you can get a replica in the real world. But if you think about it, like 3D fashion is something 
not only interesting but also needed because for you to come up with like a 3D piece of clothing it's a completely different process rather than if you want to come up with an actual real piece of clothing like you don't have to pay retailers you don't have to pay factories you don't have to uh generate waste you don't have so you know like all of these problems are suddenly solved because like now it's 3d so the process is completely different you have other challenges sure but uh but it's uh it's it's different it's a different set of challenges that i think are less harmful for especially the environment and for society so you know like there's there's all sorts of possibilities not only for you know developers not only for uh, I don't know, like 3D designers, but also for fashion people and for, I don't know, like gender specialists specialists or something, you know, like, uh, so, so there's this whole new realm that is happening, this whole new movement. Yeah, seriously, that could be huge for the environment. If, if we just replace fast fashion with fast uh, metal fashion, that would already be, like, amazing. Because we generate so much waste just uh, producing the same t-shirts periodically every year, every month of every year, every week of every month of every year again and again. And all of them just go to a landfill after a couple of months. So that that is huge. But there is a challenge, as you say, Eli, that um, it's difficult to make a t-shirt fit uh, you, Dave, me, but also a T-Rex and a Velociraptor. So that's, that's definitely a challenge there. Uh, as far as I know... Um, avatar sales are already huge so even in the original metaverses so let's just say uh, World of Warcraft or uh, I'm really out of touch with MMOs these days but I'm sure it, it's still very much a pay to play thing if you want to buy um, custom designed avatars uh, what I know of which is more close to our current definition of the metaverse is um, well, the OG is Second Life, of course. That's a huge money-making machine for digital avatars. A more current one is VRChat, and there, it's it's just exploded over the past couple of years. And there is uh, even a tiered system for avatars. You can get a kind of a wireframe avatar, which usually free. Sometimes we can pay for it to customize it, and then. Uh, the more detailed, the more um, um, physical, the more um, pieces of it that have physics, or the more detailed the bone structure is, usually the more expensive they can get. So I don't think spending thousands of dollars on digital avatars is, is, is something of science fiction. I think that's part of our presence. I think uh, also, uh, from my perspective, Fortnite makes a huge amount of money from avatars. Especially because they have characters, as I said, like Superman and Batman, Naruto, you know, and oh, all of these sure. beloved, you know, science fiction characters. And you can just be them, you know? And so, um, so yeah, like, I, I couldn't agree more. Just out of curiosity, uh, you know, this avatar aspect, making avatars you know we have in the quote real world fashion designers and people who are famous for creating fashion uh that people buy and wear i assume the same thing is happening in the quote metaverse there are 3d artists and people who are creating avatars and clothing for avatars who are considered the fashion trend people pay more to have their stuff if you were a person who was saying, I want a new career, I want to be, you know, I like fashion, I want to go into the metaverse, how, you know, how difficult is it for them to transition from sketching stuff on paper to building a 3D t-shirt in the metaverse? Is it a big jump? Do they have to spend a lot of time learning? Are there technologies that are very easy to use that help them? Is there something like that currently available? That's a that's a that's a great question. I, I'm not sure if it, if Bolton wanted to reply to that, <laughs> but uh, oh, okay, okay, all right. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine and okay. then and then. <laughs> yeah, <kind of>. um, <laughs> so so as far as I, I know, know but, uh, um, 
yes, it is becoming a huge industry, like the 3D fashion thing. And I think it's really interesting, as Bolton said, like, and I had... I had a guest, I think he was on the second episode of my podcast, Metavertising, if you guys want to check out on Spotify. Um, uh, the, I, my, my, the second episode, it was this guy, Diedrich Boyd, and he's actually an expert on that. And he said that, uh, think about like uh, uh, a fashion event. Uh, and, and then compare like a fashion event in the real world with a fashion event in the metaverse, right? So in a, in a fashion event in the real world, you have all of these logistics, you have all of these uh, challenges and also all of the waste that you end up generating because you're going to generate uh, kind of like one time only clothing for that specific event. So you're going to display, you know, um, and, you know, many of the fashion events that we see are actually kind of like an art display. So it's not like you're going to be able to purchase those clothes, you know? So, so it's just basically like uh, for that collection to, to show the world the trends, you know, of that specific uh, season or maybe that year. Uh, and, uh, and so a lot of waste is generated, not only because it is the clothing, but also like, you know, uh, all of the people that go in there, they, they generate waste. So there's all of these challenges. When it comes to a virtual uh, fashion event, you don't have any of these challenges, right? So it's a completely new environment. So I think it's important to consider that. And so talking about specifically like pursuing a 3D fashion career, um, I believe, and uh, now I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my uh, personal perspective on that because I'm not sure if there is like, I'm sure that there are, you know, fashion uh, 3D fashion careers out there right now, but not specifically like, let's say, oh, I want to go to 3D fashion college. I'm not sure if there's there's such a thing already, you know, but um, I believe that if you already have some experience with fashion in the real world, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to transition. However, you're going to have to certainly learn how to create 3D fabric. You're going to learn like there's going to be these new challenges, which is like, as I said before, like making uh like the details of the fabric right which is, which is something really important like making the fabric look like it's a real thing like a real dress or maybe a real piece of clothing like and and so there's a, these all of these other challenges that you're going to need to combine softwares in order to come up with and i'm talking about you know blender unreal engine uh cinema 4d maya you know all of these softwares that you're going to have to combine and in each software you're going to like prepare uh, a specific piece of that clothing in order to come up to the result that you that you envisioned right and so um, definitely you're gonna have to learn new tools you're gonna have to learn new skills but um, but you're gonna be learning like it's it's a it's a one-time challenge that you're gonna be have to you're gonna have to face in order to set yourself for the future of 3d fashion which is definitely gonna be something huge right we were talking about um, how easy would it be or how viable it would be to transition from fashion to digital fashion. And I think that's, uh, again, <laughs> at least a three-pronged question. So the first uh, answer is, I think the skills of uh, just sketching are extremely transferable. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, Software-wise, it's, uh, it's a really good opportunity since most of this software is free. You can get uh, really extremely high quality uh, designer software uh, for free and it's even very user-friendly so it's not like the developer space where we have to pay for every single tool we have like 10 subscriptions for stuff that we barely even use to be able to operate in this uh, uh, capacity for 3d design it's it's a much better landscape software wise uh, hardware wise I think it's really important to consider the hardware requirements as well since if um, you buy the best sewing machine that you can find, like like an extremely good one, uh, for that price you can also get a 3D workstation that you can work on, possibly um, in the shape of a tablet or a tablet and a workstation. Uh, but I do think if we go into the more um, elite uh, product stack, which is, mm, let's say, we want a iMac Studio, and then we want a, an iPad with the latest uh, pencil and all that. It's it's considerably more expensive, even if we would factor in uh, high-quality materials for a uh, designer workshop. Uh, 
uh, and it's really just the upfront cost. I think the real challenge is replacing that equipment every few years. So if you buy a sewing machine, it's good for 80 years, easy. But uh, digital workstations, we have to replace. I, I think that's kind of a moving target of the metaverse because the metaverse is going to be evolving. And part of its evolution, I think, is going to be based on the hardware that's used to generate everything. The better and the more advanced the hardware becomes, the better the generation is. But then you're going to have the aspect of it that it, you're generating stuff that's a very high quality, but the people who are seeing it are seeing it through, say, lower quality or older technology. So say they're going to view it through uh, some goggles. Well, they're viewing it from some goggles that were made three years ago, and now they have higher resolution and, you know, there is some sound effects that don't work in standard headphones. If you buy this new headphone, those sound effects work. And I think that the there's always going to be this kind of moving target with the metaverse of how is the hardware and the software going to kind of stay in pace. And there's going to be aspects where the more well-to-do side of the users of the metaverse are going to have the latest technology and can experience these things. And the, the poorer end of the universe will have older tech and they will not be able to experience it at the same level. And, and that's an aspect that is going to be, you know, that mimics society, right? Society is built almost exactly like that. Although it sounds to me that the metaverse makes the playing field a little bit more even in the sense that you know, uh, a, a kid who has an education but is from a poor family could learn how to do 3D textures. And even though he doesn't have the latest technology, he could make a name for himself because of his art and his creation and eventually get fame and money to be able to use the advanced technologies. And, and, and although that's mimicked in real life as well, it seems like in the metaverse, it might be easier to do that uh, because the resources needed are much less, as, as both of you have said. Via the yeah. same headset. Yeah, no, I agree. So regarding that specific comment that you made, Dave, I think uh, there's there's a few things that I think are really important for us to uh, to highlight, right? So first of all, I think the inclusion. I believe it's going to be a lot bigger now in the metaverse, especially because we're going to have technologies that allow the inclusion. So, for example, let's say uh, my kid wants to talk to a kid in Japan. Uh, and then we're going to have some type of real-time translation AI that allows this conversation to happen in a real time. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, copy the text and paste it into Google Translator in order to figure out what this kid is saying. Like you can just have a seamless conversation. So I think that's what also one of the things we're going to be seeing. I think this is also an amazing opportunity for cloud computing because we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, uh, for example, one of the, 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 the things when I'm working with a brand, for example, one of the things that I have to ask them if, I want, if they want to create an experience in the metaverse is, okay, so what is the kind of technology that you want to use? Do you want to use pixel streaming, WebGL, Web3D? So um, all of these things represent different ways for you to deal with the information that is going to be displayed to the user. And pixel streaming is basically, you know, uh, another computer in the cloud is doing the processing and you're just streaming the pixels, right? And so um, so it's another opportunity for cloud computing, for example, which I think it's really interesting. And so I think we're going to see, you know, uh, a, a huge growth in terms of cloud computing in the upcoming years because uh, not everyone, as you said, is going to be able to experience the metaverse in a very high fidelity and a very high level of quality. However, it is important that everyone has the opportunity to at least participate of it right um and then one other thing that i wanted to say mm -hmm. um is i think the concept of like as you said like nowadays society is not that even in terms of technology so i believe it might it might be a little more even than ever in the metaverse because we're gonna see 
companies that are going to realize that if they want to have more daily active users, more monthly active users, uh, or like more traffic in their platforms, they're going to have to create something that is more accessible in terms of processing, right? So I think one great example, one recent example that I've seen of that is the game Valorant. Uh, I'm not sure if Botan has played it, but it's a shooting, it's an FPS shooting game. And I, I really liked it. And I thought one thing that, it, okay. that they did that was really clever, when they launched the game, the configuration, the specs to run the game was like very low. So pretty much any computer, like any modern computer, you know, like any, and it didn't have to be like an amazing computer, like you could run Valorant, right? So this allowed them to have like a lot more people than the regular game that will launch nowadays in their platform because you see a lot of these new games launching and you have to, you need to have the like the latest uh, GeForce graphics card in order to run it, the latest processor. So to have a game or maybe to have an application that doesn't require as much processing for you to run it, it means an opportunity, it means you're going to have more users, right? So I think the metaverse is going to have a lot of that as well. You know, there, there's the technology challenge in which people have to learn new technologies and get better at technologies or change technologies to be able to play in the metaverse and to create and to take advantage of the metaverse. But then there's the business side and companies uh, are having to struggle. What is the metaverse? How do they take what they currently do and move it into the metaverse. And, and even a company who's dealing in digital goods or digital services, a lot of them really have big questions about, well, how do I take advantage of the metaverse? Maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you kind of do in helping companies figure out how they can take advantage of the metaverse. What are what are some of the examples or what are some of the, the questions that you hear the most from, from businesses who are saying, well, how do That's I do something in That's a great question. And um, I, to answer that question, I would like to take us back as I, as I did before, like 10, 20 years ago, right? At the beginning of social media, right? So you remember when social media came out and like brands and companies started to realize that all of the consumers were moving there or maybe all of the consumers were congregating there. And so companies and brands, they started to ask themselves, first of all, do we need to have, do, do we need to be on social media? Do we need to have a social media profile? So that was the first question. And then the second question for those brands that decided that yes, they needed to be there. Then the second question would be, okay, how, like, how do we, <laughs> what are we going to be doing there? Right? So, um, if you remember in the early two thousands, when, you know, brands started to move into social media and you would start to see the first few movements of brands in, in social media, there were a lot of mistakes, right? So there were a lot of brands that you clearly could see that they had no idea what they were doing in social media. So you would see a lot of, you know, bloopers, let's say, a lot of mistakes in social media. And there's even this book by this famous marketer called Very Gary Vaynerchuk, which I'm a huge fan of. And he has this book called Jab, Jab, Hook, which is a content media strategy. But throughout the book, he, he, he displays, and there's literal like screenshots in the book of like uh, both uh, hits and misses of like companies in social media, right? So you would see like all of these companies that were really winning in social media and all of these companies that were really losing. So I think the scenario is exact the same thing happening right now. Some companies are asking themselves, should we be on the metaverse? And then for the companies that decide that they do, what should we do in the metaverse, right? And so um, to, to answer that question, I think, uh, first of all, it's important to have this, this concept in mind, right? That yes, companies should be in the metaverse and the earlier that you get there, the better. I think that, you know, differently, if you compare it to social media 20 years ago, for example, like back then everyone had a computer, or maybe almost everyone had a computer and many people already have had a, some sort of smartphone, like some sort of device, like mobile device to connect to the internet. And so not everyone was on social media, but people were moving there. And so I think right now it's almost the same thing as in like, not everyone is in the metaverse, but people are moving there. But I think it's going to take a while because it requires, as we were just talking about, like maybe a little bit more processing power than you would need in order to access Facebook, for example, back in the day. So, um, so I think it's a slightly different scenario, but the concept is the same, right? Companies should be on, 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 on the metaverse. And, um, and now like, 
getting to the part where what they should do on the metaverse, right? So um, when I'm approached by a brand or when I'm approached by a company that wants to get into the metaverse, first of all, the first question that I ask is, okay, so uh, maybe you understood that you need to be in the metaverse, maybe you didn't, but if, if not, I'm here to explain it to you why you should be there. But I think most of all, like, why do you want to be there? I think that's the most important question because the answer to that is going to give you the insights to come up with the stuff that you're going to be doing in the metaverse, right? So uh, what I tell brands and people and everyone that asks me, asks me this question is, what is the utility, right? What is the purpose of you being in the metaverse, right? So for example, the, the other day we had uh, the famous uh, supermarket brand, uh, Carrefour, which is like, uh, you know, they're, they're big, I think, almost in the entire world. Here in Brazil, they're pretty big. I know that they're pretty big in Europe, for example. They're a French brand, if I'm not mistaken. But um, they did a Metaverse campaign just the other day. And uh, it was a huge fail, you know, from my perspective. Because uh, they, didn't, they didn't try to bring utility to their you know, metaverse thing, the metaverse play that they were trying to pull, right? They basically just, yeah, oh, okay, so we, we everyone is going to the metaverse, oh, all right, so now we're metaverse too, guys, okay? So so you can chill now because we're not, we're metaverse now as well, you know? Uh, but that's not it. And we, we, we put a picture in the metaverse and now yeah, we're- Yeah, like, yeah, now we're Web3, guys, we're Web3 friendly, so Generation Z, you can come purchase with us. <laughs> Uh, and so, so that's what a lot of brands are doing, and that's not the right way to do it. Because what Carrefour did, and to, to, to talk a little bit about their campaign, basically you would access this metaverse where you would have like these small, you know, virtual reality games of like brands that are you can find in Carrefour. And then there was this campaign by Scotch Bright inside Carrefour's metaverse, and. Uh, and then when you get into the Scotch Bright game, basically what would happen is you would get reduced to the size of like a very small toy, and then you would jump into uh, a sponge, and you would clean the counter of the kitchen with that sponge, and you would kind of surf on the sponge, being the small man, and clean the kitchen. And I was like, uh, so so I got into the metaverse to clean my kitchen, right? Like. <laughs> It makes no sense whatsoever. And so I think, you know, that's the biggest mistake that is happening right now. Like brands, they recognize that they should be there, but they don't have any utility. They don't have any actual reason to be there, right? And so um, I think that's that's what, what, what we need to ask ourselves. And like, we need to come up with the answers of it and work through these answers, right? What is the utility? What is the reason why I'm getting into the metaverse, right? So, um, and also take a look at your what your consumers are doing, right? And offer value to them, offer something valuable to them, even if it's just an experience, but like, offer them something that is really valuable right so i think you know typically that's it sounded like for for them they had some marketing agency who said okay we'll yeah. find a way to market your product in the metaverse and not a single person in that yeah. ad agency spent a lot of time in the metaverse yeah. and so they said oh let's just make a surfing game and use a sponge they, they they obviously were not thinking about who was actually going to be visiting the, the store and visiting the game and would they find it fun and enjoyable. I don't know anybody <laughs> who really finds cleaning a kitchen that enjoyable. I, I get it. From the business standpoint, they're trying to connect their product yeah. to something interesting or fun, but exactly. you know, they, they, they missed the boat on that one. Uh, you're, I, I think that that brands and companies are going to have to really think about when they go into the metaverse, they're going to have to have somebody guiding them who spends a lot of time in it, has an understanding of their target market. Uh, clearly, they put in a product in the metaverse and they didn't think about their target market. They did not think about who's going to come and visit this game, who would be attracted to the game. They probably didn't even think about how to set up and describe the game to attract the type yeah, of exactly, people they want. Exactly. They just said, here think, is game. You know, when you right. asked, how am I helping brands to have a metaverse positioning? That's the real, like, that's what I'm asking them. Okay, so you want to be in the metaverse? Good. So what do you want to do in the metaverse? 
Like, how is that exactly looking like inside your head? Like, what is the value they want to provide to your audience? So there's a few examples of like both uh, unsuccessful and successful campaigns that happen in the metaverse. One unsuccessful one is like Carrefour, as I said. Chevrolet surprisingly also did a very huge fail in the metaverse. They released an NFT of a car and nobody bought it, you know, and it came with an actual Corvette Z06 in the real world, but nobody bought it, you know, and so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah so so like so, so yeah exactly like why <laughs> that's the question like why would i buy an nft and like it's just an nft it's just a picture of a car and you know like what what am i gonna do with it hot wheels and mattel did an nft campaign where they made a series of cars as nfts a car in a package and you know you could buy this nft and you would have it, and it was special for, I guess, Hot Wheel Club members, and they can buy it. And they kind of in the background said something like, we will randomly pick some of these NFTs and actually send you the physical car, like in a package. And a lot of the Hot Wheels collectors just ignored it. A lot of the Hot Wheels collectors are over 50, right? Baby boomers, that type of stuff. Uh, A lot of them ignored it. And Mattel didn't do a very good job of explaining it or talking about it. And so they missed the boat. And a lot of the NFTs didn't get purchased. Finally, the ones that did, the cars actually started arriving in the mail. And they only made like 300 of these cars for, I don't know, 30,000 NFTs that they made. Now those cars, if you want to buy one, it's $2,000 to buy the physical card. Nobody's interested in the NFT. They're only interested in the physical card. So Mattel tried to do something, but I think it was one of those situations where they tried to do something, but they didn't really understand their what they're trying to do or attract the market. And they ended up with kind of a, I guess you would call a, a, an albatross. A, you know, the, the cars are worth something, but the NFTs are not worth anything, right? And, and, and so I think they could have done a better job with getting that, an NFT right? and it comes with a little car and whatnot. Okay. What am I going to do with that NFT? Like it doesn't do anything. I don't have any special access into anything. I don't have like anything whatsoever. You know, I just have a picture, a digital picture. It's so common. Everyone is doing these one-off NFTs. Like you use it once and it's, there's no point anymore. Like why? Yeah. I think. I think at the beginning of the NFT craze and the NFT hype, you know, people were buying it because, you know, it was new and there was this whole hype and everyone is buying it. But then people started to realize that um, these NFTs actually didn't serve any purpose. And eventually, like, you would see that, you know, nowadays, if you want to launch an NFT collection, it's like a lot harder than it used to be a year ago because people are now a lot more aware that, you know, like you're going to buy just basically a picture that doesn't do anything. And like, you know, I spent a ridiculous amount of money into a digital picture that just sits there, you know. And so I think, you know, one great example of a brand that did an amazing job with Web3. And I just talked about that during my um, I have a weekly uh, LinkedIn audio event uh, every Thursday. And I talk about like we talk about like uh, hits on, and, and, and misses of the metaverse of brands. And Etihad, the airline company, they did an amazing job with their NFT, their their uh, Web3 marketing campaign, which was basically like they created these NFTs of like their their airplane fleet. So like there was this uh, several different, you know, NFTs of their airplanes. However, the fact that you had these NFTs will give you special accesses and special benefits that not even the oldest Etihad members had, you know. So um, you would get, first of all, you would get instant silver guest uh, access status on Etihad flights and you would also get like exclusive exclusive access to lounges around the world in airports you would get access to this uh, club where like it was only the holders of the NFTs of these Etihad NFTs so you would get access to that you would get access to special events and you would be able to participate in a DAO which is a decentralized autonomous organization inside of Etihad to decide like okay so what are the next per perks that we're going to be receiving by holding these NFTs, 
right? So that's really cool because if you think about it, like um, if I'm a Etihad diehard fan, let's say I only fly Etihad, like I, I love these guys. I'm gonna want to have him not only because he grants me special accesses, but he grants me special benefits for life. You know, that not only get me closer to the brand, strengthen strengthening my relationship with the brand, but also at the same time gives me something special that nobody else has. You know, so I think that was a successful campaign, a successful Web three campaign. Right, and it, it, because what they did is is they took the NFT and they gave it value, right? And the value is you're guaranteed to get something with the NFT. What Mattel did is they create, and a lot of others that I've seen, they create a lottery, right? Get You buy the NFT, and if you get chosen in the lottery, maybe you'll get something. And you don't even know if it'll be valuable or not, right? And so that devalues the NFT. Who cares? If it's an NFT that didn't win the lottery, its, its value is almost zero, Right. Whereas an NFT that's tied to something that you get and is transferable, that could be a, that makes the NFT valuable. And I, I think that companies are going to have to look at, at really putting value into the NFT exactly. if they want it Very to be well successful. Said. Right. It, 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 it seems like even though the metaverse is virtual. And the basis of the metaverse is virtual. The reality is the people who are in the metaverse are real people and they want something from it that they can use in the real life. Uh, if it's just in the metaverse and the only thing they're gaining from it is the enjoyment of being in the metaverse. And that could be relatively simple, and you can get that enjoyment from a game console or from Web 2. I think if the metaverse is going to succeed, uh, it's going to have to be connected to the real world in some way, right? Uh, and, and I don't know if at this time it's been defined what that is. I, I think that the, the concept is let's create the metaverse, and let the participants in that creation of the metaverse decide how to transfer what is in the metaverse and connect it into the real world. And I think that what what you said about these advertising campaigns, I think that's a very exciting opportunity. I think that, that, that that's what's interesting to me is that there's a potential there of companies saying, well, let's create a new way of doing business uh, using the metaverse. And I think that's where success will come. Exactly. And uh, uh, as I often say, like we're approaching now what I like to call uh, customer centric or perhaps a customer heroic culture, which back then, like the brand was the maybe the guide or maybe the hero that would take you to success. But now the customer is the hero. And then the brand is kind of like the, the, um, uh, what is it called? Like the the backstage, you know, helper that helps you go to to where, wherever you want to go into that success. But like it's the customer that it's at the center of everything, and they're the ones making the decisions of, of whether uh, they want to participate in your brand or not, right? And so we're gonna be seeing a lot of communities, which is already you know happening a lot of you know, Discord servers with like fans and people that believe in whatever it is that your brand is doing. So they gather in those Discord servers in order to share their opinion and also to vote towards like, oh, okay, so I think this is what should be done. No, oh, all right, so this is what should be done. And um, and I think that the customer is gonna have more power than ever. And I think it's it's about that, you know, it's about empowering the customer. What do you think? How, how far off is a interoperable uh, metaverse like ballpark are we talking decades centuries in your opinion uh i think we're far off being conservative i think we're far off uh five to ten years from a completely fully immersive fully interoperable metaverse i think five to ten years would be you know uh, ten years would be conservative if i want to be a little more aggressive than five years you know um, because um, there's so many challenges to overcome, not only in terms of interoperability, interoperability, but like in everything, in every aspect of the metaverse, right? So we're talking about, for example, nowadays, if you want to spend some time in VR, you're probably going to be able to spend like a couple of hours until you start getting nauseous, you know, and you start getting a little sick and a little dizzy. So uh, that's another challenge that needs to be overcome, you know, um, and also... Um, 
if I if I'm using VR, like what is the level of detail? What is the level of depth that I want to be able to visualize something that I'm staring at? You know, and so the current VR goggles that we have available nowadays, they don't provide that level of experience. So there's all of these, you know. Uh, challenges in all of the directions of the metaverse happening and so all of these need to be addressed and also the the fact that you need to be able to make all of these things talk to each other right so that would be interoperability um so yeah i would say uh my personal uh guess would be you know uh i think six or seven years i think until we see something that works and then 10 years until we see something that is actually seamless things take time and I think that uh, the metaverse is going in a, in a very interesting direction. I'm actually excited to see what the metaverse will look like in 10 years. I think, Eli, maybe now is a good time to kind of talk a little bit. Uh, you know, you have a, a podcast and you have some other things. Do you want to kind of give uh, some information about how people can access those and, and hear what you have to say? Definitely. Um, so, yeah, so I have the, the, the podcast called Metavertising on Spotify. And uh, actually, a new episode just came out today. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm often like interviewing experts of the industry uh, regarding the topics that they're experts in. And we've been talking about like several different uh, topics in the metaverse, right? So we've had like fashion experts, we've had events experts, we've had motion experts as well. So there's all sorts of conversation that's happening there. Definitely worth checking out if you guys want to learn more, uh, not only from a technical perspective, but also from a marketing perspective, right? So metaverse on Spotify. And uh, if you guys want to get in touch and maybe your company or your brand needs help to create experiences on the metaverse, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. So it's Eli Santos on LinkedIn, E-L-Y space Santos. So it's really easy to find me. Um, and also every Thursday on LinkedIn, I'm doing live audio events where I talk about the, the hits and the misses of uh, brands in the metaverse, right? So the successful campaigns and the unsuccessful ones, uh, I think it's really educational for those of you who are considering to enter the metaverse. And... Um, yeah, I think that's it. And also considering taking the metaverse podcast into YouTube as a 3D avatar. So okay. <laughs> that's the plan right now. <laughs> well, we, and, we, uh, yeah, we put this podcast on YouTube and uh, obviously uh, on all the audio uh, podcast platforms. And we'll put all that information of yours in the descriptions uh, so that people can click the links and, and access it well. Uh, Eli, this has been awesome. wonderful. Really enjoyed this and learned a lot. And uh, we do uh, our podcast once a month. And so for our listeners, uh, look back, check us out in a month and for our next podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the Screenbox uh, Business and Technology Podcast. Till next time. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs>